0: Welcome to the Health Leaders Podcast, the place for peer sourced and solution focused insights for healthcare executives, with new episodes airing every Tuesday. I'm Chris Cheney, and I'm the Senior Clinical Care Editor for Health Leaders. In today's episode, we will be discussing population health with Anil Keswani, MD, Corporate Senior Vice President at Scripps Health as well as Chief Medical Officer and Chief Operations Officer for Ambulatory Care at Scripps Health. Anil, thanks so much for being here.
1: Chris, thank you for having me.
0: Let's get into our questions. What are the core elements of population health?
1: That's a great question, and I think we're going to have a fun podcast today. I'm going to share a lot of interesting things. I appreciate everyone listening in. In terms of pop health, I mean, that's a common question that people ask is, what, are, what is population health? What are the core elements? What does it mean? And population health is, is actually really simple. If I use the NCQA definition, population health is a model of care that strives to address patients' health needs at all points across the continuum of care. So that includes community settings, as well as uh, ambulatory settings, the hospital settings as well. And by increasing patient participation and engagement with targeted interventions, we can improve patients' care. So if you think about it, you know that's sort of a, a, a mouthful of information. But if you really kind of break down, what what are the core elements? What does it mean to have a population health program? And Chris, I kind of put out some some kind of key thoughts or ideas that I think are important. Uh, the first is we always look at our aims and what we're trying to do. Bottom line is. We want better care for our our individuals. And population health looks at the population to make sure that we provide better health for a population of patients. But at the end of the day, our focus is on an individual care. Does that individual get better care? We want to see lower total cost to care. We want to see that increased, improved clinician experience, really all about the quadruple aim. And the way we do that is, is really simple kind of core tenets. The first is making sure that we provide access to our system, whether it's virtual, whether it's physical, uh, or any other way to make sure patients connect with us. The second is making sure we have a care management process. This doesn't mean just care managers, but a care management and care navigation process that people know how to navigate our system, but that we're also watching closely to make sure that they 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 receive the care that they need when they need it. The third is really making sure that data information and and analytics work across our system. We need to be a smarter system. We need to know more about our patients and know when to to intervene. And and then the last one is is really what I consider that importance of building a high-performance network of clinicians, making sure the clinicians are engaged, involved, understand where there's gaps that need to be closed, but also what are best practices that we can share across the entire system. So really, if you look at that, those are sort of the key tenets or core, core elements of a population health program.
0: Excellent. What is the approach to population health at Scripps?
1: Yeah, Chris, that's a, a great question. So if you look at population health at Scripps, we currently have around 300,000 lives and what I would call value-based contracts. So the first thing to population health is make sure you have the right contracts, and and more increasingly, more and more, making sure that the contract makes sense uh, for the patient, for the organization, and has some degree of making sure that there's outcomes that, that uh, are measurable, that rewards everybody. And so when you have these value-based care contracts, Sometimes they have terms, there are things like commercial HMOs or there's ACOs or there's all these different variations. There's fee for service ACOs. There's all these variations to these contracts. Once you have those contracts, like we do right now, we have about 300,000 lives on a variety of contracts. Our approach then has been really to build a high performing physician network that uh, is by and large generally connected on and EHR, uh, we use Epic at Scripps Health, and as do many people across the country, and, and making sure we can connect with our network and connect with patient information across that network. Uh, we, we also do things like have care managers and care navigators and, and the things I talked about earlier. But more and more, we're using technology in a way that's that's unique. And I'll, I'll tell you uh, one piece of technology that really was a uh, uh, amazing Implementation uh, over the last year that has driven some of our programs um, is, a, is a program called ZELTH, X C A L T H. And I um, am sharing it not because I have any uh, stated uh, interest or, or stake in this, but the, the interesting thing about this program was it was embedded within our EHR and it did a great job with patient matching with programs that they were due or needed to have done. And it was sort of something really simple. What we were hoping and relying on were clinicians to understand what their patients needed and then connect them to a disease management program or a care management program or something. And physicians have a lot on their their plate in their minds right now. And we know primary care doctors especially have a lot to do. This program was very interesting because it connected the, the patient and determined the point of care that that patient qualifies for something and then made it a lot easier to enroll that patient in a program. We have seen our enrollment in various disease management and care management programs skyrocket. And part of that is, is we we took out some of the, the recall needed for physicians to, to enroll people. And so as we use technology and we start to utilize our electronic medical records in ways that they were intended to, we're starting to see a much better uh, process and system. And and by and large, then you get better outcomes. Technology is going to continue to evolve, and we're already looking at how AI and some of the next-gen technology will continue to get us to where we need to go, whether it's AI or whether it's remote patient monitoring. I think that population health is going to be fueled increasingly by newer technology.
0: Great. Tell me in greater detail about a population health initiative at Scripps.
1: Absolutely. I'll give you a couple of examples of some population health initiatives that uh, we have have done over the last few years. One of which is interesting. If I look at the importance of making sure that our physicians are are engaged and involved and, and offloaded to a degree, one of the things, while it may not be directly population health related, um, is that we've, ins- we've uh, initiated the DAX Express or the-, the Microsoft Nuance ambient technology to make sure that our clinicians can chart more efficiently and even more accurately. And that's going to be important because, as you know, population health relies on good data and notes that capture everything that the- that's going on in the exam room. What we're seeing is that this has been a great win for our clinicians, and that we're capturing more information from the time of visit. Other things that we're playing with right now and and pushing out are things like remote patient monitoring. We're doing things like wireless capturing of uh, patient blood pressures, and we know that the blood pressure is incredibly important for patients uh, to prevent things like heart attacks and strokes. We're doing things with the remote patient monitoring for diabetes. Uh, we are doing things like what uh, we call MyScript's baby app, where we are supporting women through the prenatal phase and with increased touch points and making sure that we're more available to moms as they're uh, in their pregnancy phase, because we know that that's going to generate much better outcomes for, for um, the baby afterwards. And then things like ZELF, which I mentioned earlier, which are patient matching programs that allow us to make sure that we are engaging patients with the right programs they need. So Chris, you're hearing a lot of technology, but right now I think technology is more and more enabling some of the population health initiatives at Scripps Health.
0: Excellent. What are the challenges with population health right now and how can healthcare providers rise to these challenges?
1: Chris, that's an important question because I think it's topical right now. More and more, we are hearing concerns about Medicare Shared Savings Programs and Medicare Advantage. Uh, and let me st- take that in two steps. One, uh, the Medicare Shared Savings Program is something that we have had here for almost uh, or over, over five year, about five years. And that program is really the largest alternative payment model in the country with Medicare, and it has about 10.9. Million beneficiaries. Many organizations, many of you who are listening, are probably in a version of the Medicare Shared Savings Program, and things are are. That's a very tough program. There are there's a, a challenge with data lag, with reconciliation of of how we're doing uh, with that program. There's changing a changing landscape with how clinicians and provider organizations are being rewarded for being in that program. And so we're seeing a lot of changes and headwinds in the Medicare Shared Savings Program. We are still in it. We, In fact, our contract goes through the end of next year, but one that we're watching very carefully to see where it goes. We're also seeing crit- critique on the national level in that we are hearing from CMS the question of whether this program is generating the outcomes and savings that they're looking for. I can tell you single-handedly, our outcomes and quality are much Better since we know our patients in this Medicare insurance Saving Program, but the question is: Is, is it economically improving the, where Medicare wants to? CMS wants to go, and I think that's yet to be determined. The other area that we're seeing some challenges, and I think you will hear more about this because it's becoming uh, a, a more and more of a, a stronger drumbeat, is the challenges with Medicare Advantage. With Medicare Advantage. And many of the you know, listeners know that Medicare Advantage is a, a privatized version, if you will, of, of uh, Medicare. And we have had about 32,000 lives in our Scripps Medical Foundation, which is our medical groups that are within our, fo- our medical foundation at Scripps Health. They, these 32,000 lives are, are on a Medicare Advantage contract and Scripps Health has been losing upwards of 75 million dollars on this on this on these contracts and that's not a sustainable model you know and we had to make a very tough choice and say is this something that we think is this contract makes sense we love our patients we care about our patients we want them to stay with Scripps Health but the the contract really is a challenging one and we had to kind of face ourselves and say as our CEO would say We're a patient care organization and not a patient denial organization. And the way that uh, managed care has started to evolve, especially with these kind of contracts, is the economics don't work out the way we provide care. And so things like denials, prior authorizations, administrative processes are becoming a bigger and bigger issue. And with insufficient reimbursement, uh, we we were losing about over $75 million a year and with that, we're taking some bold steps and making sure that we can continue to provide care uh, to our to all of our patients without sustaining significant losses. This will be, uh, you'll hear more about this in the media about Scripps Health, but I do think you, you'll start to hear more of other organizations, as I'm already starting to read uh, across the, the country, other organizations struggling with a similar thing. And Chris, if I may say, I think, one of the challenges with with value-based care or population health, it comes down to getting paid for outcomes and making sure utilization is is a predictable utilization. I will tell you, post-pandemic, Chris, there's nothing predictable anymore. The utilization that we are experiencing the after the pandemic has been all over the board. Uh, I call it sort of the pickleball effect in musculoskeletal care. We're seeing people Going out, being more active, and and, you know, tongue in cheek, everyone's picking up the pickleball sport, and they're getting injured, and we're seeing those costs skyrocket, and make some of these contracts like Medicare Advantage more challenging to to maintain post-pandemic. We're also seeing delayed cancer diagnoses from people who delayed preventive care during the pandemic. We're now coming with increased claims, and so these are all adding up and, and causing. Some of the challenges for these these uh, managed care contracts. That being said, I'm very I'm very bullish on on value based care. And Chris, I will tell you, I'm what I'm most proud about is that we are in our sixth year in something that we call the premier ACO model with a large employer, uh, Qualcomm, who is uh, just in our backyard. And in that that's a commercial ACO product that's represents about 57% of Qualcomm employees in San Diego. We cover almost 17,000 lives, uh, actually 16,500 lives from Qualcomm. And in that one, we are very excited about how we can provide a better customer experience and better manage that population. And so it always comes down down to the fundamentals of the contract and the fundamentals of how the program is set up. So uh, with that, Chris, maybe I'll, I'll throw it back over to you. But that I'm I'm uh sure that you will hear be hearing more and more about the challenges and opportunities in value based care or population health in the near future.
0: Anil, it's been wonderful talking with you.
1: Thank you, Chris. I always appreciate listening to your the Health Leaders podcast and encourage folks to to keep listening. You're providing a great resource for for our 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 community to learn more about what's going on in healthcare.
0: Thank you for listening to the Health Leaders Podcast.